by my bed with folded hands and tilted head I thank the Lord for my water and my bread thankful to be a part of God's flock of chosen sheep waking from my slumber while the world is still asleep freedom loving patriotic deplorable bum I reside in the States, but Scotland is where I'm from. Sometimes I feel defeated, but we will always stand tall. Fighting with my family, we go one, we go We may fall. And talks of bread and wine, and doctrinate our children from the world into decline. We're the people need to stand firm and understand. Without liberty and freedom, all we have is dirt and land. Holding the sword high, I'll stand firmly through the pain. Lost is what the wisdom I have gained. If you find me on my knees, it's not because I'm defeated. It was my prayer for the war, the only weapon I needed. We may fall, holding the line. We may fall, but we'll be Good evening, family. How's everybody doing today? Another great day here. We got a whole lot of rain, but no complaints because uh, apparently Tennessee got a whole lot more. Florida got some tornadoes, a little bit of craziness everywhere. Else. Even Texas is getting a lot of rain, which is awesome because I know you guys need it. 
And uh, we should be getting a little bit of snow here within the next 30 minutes. We'll see. They like to hype that up, and then we don't get much snow. But I'm hoping to go out and see a little bit of white on the grass tomorrow. That would be pretty awesome. So, guys, this is Kilted Christian, episode 518. I called this one, like the days of Noah. We're going to get into a little bit of news, and we're going to get into a big thing that I've been hearing a lot about recently, like the days of Noah. What does that mean? Well, we'll talk about that here in just a moment. Once again, Kilt the Christian, episode 518. Let's get to it. We are many nations around the world, comprised of many cultures, but we stand together in a battle between good and evil. We're the seekers of wisdom, the bringers of truth, the hands of heaven, and the voices of reason. As the world tries to divide us by our differences, we only grow stronger as we are bound together as the children of God. And I hope you all are enjoying the weather as much as I am. I tell you, it got so windy last night. We got a lot of rain here, um, just under a foot, I think. And then we got a lot of wind. Everything was blown apart, having to redo the chicken coop uh, tarp and all the other neat stuff. But, hey, I'm not complaining. I love winter, especially when uh, when uh, Montana tells me what it's going to be like there. And uh, here I am complaining it's going to be 6 degrees. It's supposed to be like negative 32 um, Montana, dude, the chickens are doing good for the moment. I'm actually uh, going out this weekend, and I'm going to buy a chicken heater so I can at least put them inside one of their little nesting areas because, uh, yeah, um, six degrees is pretty darn cold at nighttime, and I'd imagine the wind chill is going to be a little worse than that. But these guys seem to love the cold. I usually go out there when it's uh, in the 20s, and, and they're standing on top of their coops, not even inside of them. So they, they seem to like the cold. But, yeah, six degrees is a little bit different of a story, so. We'll see how that is when we get there. I haven't I haven't um, felt six degrees in a really long time. So I'm looking forward to that. Like I said, I always down with a little bit of snow. We've got a lot of snow chances here um, over the next week or so. I know we've got a chance a little bit tonight, a chance again this weekend, a chance again next week, and then a big chance again next weekend. So I hope we get it. I love snow. Always put the smile on my face until it gets all muddy and black at the end of the winter, and then you're done with snow and ready for spring. See, I love it, how God spaces out the seeds. And so right when you're tired of one, you get the next. Awesome. So um, that was a fun episode last night with the Conley. Uh, it's good to have Conley back on, the, on a Monday with this, and I'm sure we'll be doing that again here soon. Um, hopefully we'll get back on our, our Monday schedule. Um, and I'm so glad he was on there last night because uh, I'd taken my uh, medicine uh, before the show, and it kicked in about halfway during and then towards the end you could tell i was getting real spacey and the show just kept on going and going and going but i'm glad that he gave my voice a little bit of a rest and it was a phenomenal conversation as normal with conley and he always makes me laugh love that guy um hopefully uh we got another couple of guests that will be coming on next week hopefully we'll get um douglas on friday we'll have to see what his schedule's like so we can do a little chasing squirrels and a little bit of laughter um so we got uh, a little bit of news that we're going to go into today and, uh, and I'm not going to overdo it tonight, Tammy. I promise. You're always watching out for me, and I certainly appreciate that. Yeah, I'll probably, um, at the very least, do an hour until my, my voice starts letting out. But at least the cough's gone now. That was, uh, I know a lot of people I've been talking to are, are dealing with the same thing. And it's a cough that just doesn't want to progress. It's finally getting to the point where at least it's doing something. Then the nose starts running. Then you start sneezing. So it's like a, it's like a super cold. So I hope you guys don't get it, or I hope it passes as quickly as it did with me, because it only lasted here a couple of days, and I hear people saying they've got this thing for like a week or so. Um, fortunately, I have avoided my mother for the most part, and she hasn't started sneezing or coughing yet. So that's good news. That's the the thing that you got to do when you're taking care of your parents is you got to disappear into the back room when you're sick so you don't get them sick, and then pop out to make sure dinner's um, everybody's fed, and then back into that little dark room, that nice little cave. 
But um, we'll go over a little bit of news tonight. And then, like I said, tonight, um, originally I was calling this one in God We Trust. But recently, uh, I've been hearing over and over again, and I always believe that when, when God's speaking to you or wanting to focus on something, he has a way of, of bringing um, something that repeats over and over again in different ways. And, and recently, it's been as in the days of Noah. Um, you know, I've been hearing that a whole lot recently. It'll pop up. I see it on television and so forth. So I'm like, okay, God, I hear you. So I started doing uh, a little bit of digging and research because we know what the times of Noah were like, but, you know, what exactly were they like? What are we going to be getting into at our time that were so similar to them? And there's been one event in particular um, that's still up in the air as to what it really was. And that was that event that took place in Miami over New Year's with all the police presence. And they're trying to say it was a bunch of kids beating each other with sticks. And, you know, you don't get that large. I'm talking like it was it, it looked like it was their entire police force. Um, yeah. So Matt and Hev says giants in those days. And that's kind of where I was going with this one. You know, what what does the day of Noah mean? And then giants fall right into that category with the rumors. Um, and now there's extra video coming out. The problem now is that there's so much good fakery out there that it's hard to tell what's legit anymore. But there's more rumors coming out um, from that Miami mall that there were, in fact, like seven to ten foot creatures running around and chasing people down. So uh, I guess we'll have to see. Interesting times as in the days of Noah, which we'll be getting to here just a little bit. But first off, we got a little bit of news, and oh, it's none of it's all great. None of it's good. We keep getting these glimpses of, hey, they're doing stuff for us, and then we find out they're just a bunch of idiots who are playing a big game. The big one right now is uh, old Speaker Johnson. Yep, turned out to be no different than all the rest of those creeps that get that job and don't do anything for us. And literally had the audacity to come out today and tweet about the border and how we need to work on fixing the border and we got to take care of this problem and this has gotten out of hand while he literally just passed a minibus bill so a mini omnibus bill which gave them a like billions of dollars to go to ukraine surprise surprise um money going over to israel as well as money that's going to the border, but it's not to help out with the problem. It's to help them process these people faster. So we got pinched, exactly. And I, I'm so tired of this because they keep playing the game. And and I think, you know, what Montana dude says, pinched is the best example because some of these guys, they'll just lie to you. But to me, it is so much worse when they literally claim to be people of God and they say, God, 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 and, and they quote scripture and they tell you how important it is for them to pray every day before they start work. And now I'm wondering, who the heck is he praying to? Because he's certainly not doing what we need to be doing here. He's not stepping up. Um, we don't get any representation. The GOP is just, you know, obviously more and more like a, a uniparty. Um, so this is getting out of hand. All of our money's going over to them. We've got people here that are freezing to death literally right now in this really cold weather. Um, people sleeping on the streets that have been American citizens. And then... Here we go. We got these these idiots in here that just go proving themselves more and more. And like I said, they are so out of touch. They they think they can get away with everything. Where you literally have people like Pelosi, who we know started was behind the whole January sixth thing, literally posting about how terrible January sixth was. The insurrection, the greatest thing that's ever happened in our country, worse than any war we've had here, worse than than anything. Man. And then she has the audacity to put that up there. No one that we know. These people are so evil. And now we got Johnson. Same thing. He comes out and he'll start preaching about what we all want to hear. 
and then nothing ever gets done. They end up doing everything behind our backs. I mean, I don't think many people even knew that there was a mini bus that was passed. Um, but yeah, these are the guys that are supposedly here representing us, and they're just such good liars. Um, you know, how are we going to get out of this? Even if the elections get fixed, man, we're going to have to literally get rid of all these people. And I hear the same thing, and I know you guys do. Every time we have a new election coming up, they're like, it's going to be different this time. You just wait. We're going to primary all of you. How many times have you guys heard that? We're going to primary you. And then what ends up happening? The McConnells get back in. The Lindsey Grahams get back in. And everyone that we threaten to, to get rid of or to primary end up right back in the same position because we're given the choice now between them and a Democrat. We need to uh, get rid of the party system. Let people wake up. Let people start doing a little research into the particular people that are candidates that are running. And uh, there we go. What's No, 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 it's not. Um, it's always the same, never different. It is. Nothing ever changes, Punky. Nothing ever changes. And I keep, you know, I'm more and more convinced that if there's ever going to be any big change here by humans, it's going to be us. We're going to be the ones making that change. I just hope that God comes back sooner because I know many of us are getting tired of this. This is getting so old. I want to go up and relax in the kingdom. But I also know that we have work to do here, too. So I just need to to embrace my patience and keep on praying for that. I think many of us do the same thing. So uh, next, uh, U.S. Attorney Matthew Graves is making clear that the DOJ is now going to target Americans who were around the Capitol on J6 but did not enter the building. So listen to this. What happened inside of the building? An important note when it comes to our prosecutions about those who remained outside the building. We have used our prosecutorial discretion to primarily focus on those who entered the building or those who engaged in violent or corrupt conduct on Capitol grounds. But if a person knowingly entered the restricted area without authorization, they had already committed a federal crime. Make no mistake, thousands of people occupied an area that they were not authorized to be present in in the first place. We were authorized. And they were the ones that removed those barricades. They were the ones that led us into the building. Absolutely nothing that anybody did there. And there were some rabble-rousers in there too. But they were a bunch of Antifa people that were literally dressed up like MAGA, as well as the FBI who were dressed up by MAGA. Not to mention, like Matt had just said, it's the people's capital. That building belongs to us. They work for us. You know, that'd be the equivalent of them kicking their boss out of a building because you didn't like your boss there. You know, this is ours. We own this place. We run this place. They work for us. We just need to remind them exactly how this game works so that they keep on, so they can quit trying to do what they're doing because it's just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And uh, like I said, I don't know how we're going to get out of this without them pushing us into a war. Um, like I said, until they fix the votes, I don't think any of us have any confidence in this system. And uh, I need to make sure, I need to see that these things are getting fixed, not like more claims that they're looking into it and we're going to write some sternly written letters. We need, yeah, we need this to get going. Yeah, they do. They, they, they run, they, they ruin the country like they own it, punky. <laughs> and they forget that, they, that, like I said, we need to remind them once again, who works for who. So once again, they're going to prosecute innocent people that didn't even go into the Capitol. We had no idea about any lines that they crossed at the Capitol grounds because they were literally pushing people through and, and saying, hey, come over this direction. Um, the American taxpayers pay for this while not prosecuting over 60% of daily crime in D.C. So they're going after all of these people. They're even coming after people like us that were literally here. We didn't, we didn't leave our areas. I was in Texas during that. My, uh, 
show partner was in Alaska. We ran the show on January 6th from those two states. We weren't even in D.C. And yet, even because we were running a show that day, we are people of interest as well. So anyone that was doing what we were doing is now a person of interest. Um, so meanwhile, all these other people are getting away with all these other crimes. I mean, just every day you see more and more and worse. And then Ray Epps, you guys remember old Ray Epps. He comes back into it today. So what did they do to old Ray Epps? So um, Epps in his statement said um, not only lashed out at Fox News, but he lashed out at what he called the Trump cult, who he blames for his conduct. So he's blaming the Trumpers for what he said. And he was the one that was out there telling people to go into the Capitol, not only on January 6th, but also January 5th. So then he praised the FBI and Antifa, saying conclusively that they had no involvement in January 6th and that only angry Trump supporters were part of the mob. So Epps said the 2020 election was not stolen and he wants to spend the rest of his life trying to explain to others. So apparently Ray Epps has had his day in court. Yeah, punky. One year probation five hundred dollars and a hundred hours of uh community service unbelievable because from what i'm seeing um the most of those people that ended up in jail um going to court for january 6th ended up with at least three years in prison so he doesn't serve a day in jail not to mention remember they were rotting in jail and and mostly how this works is of like if you spend a year in jail and they give you a year and a half sentence and you only have to serve what's remaining of your sentence. Like here, it's like the time that they've been spending in jail doesn't even count. So if they got three years, it's three years on top of the three years that they've already spent in jail. This is disgusting. They're doing it to keep us afraid, to keep us from stepping up and doing what we need to do. But man, this needs to quit. These people missed their holidays. Um, I can't tell you how many suicides have taken place because of this. Um, People that I know that I had on my old show, um, her husband has all kinds of medical issues and they weren't giving or even allowing his meds to get in there. So these people are being treated like war prisoners, not even like regular prisoners, but like war prisoners. Um, but once again, old Ray up, who was literally did everything that they accused all of us of doing, ended up with a year probation. And I can promise you that he won't even end up getting that. It'll be, it'll all be let go. So next, uh, the Secretary of Defense scandals. And I'm going to play this little clip for you real quick. This is just kind of weird. So the missing Secretary of Defense. So you guys know there's certain jobs that we have. If the president has to go get a surgery, he obviously has to let people know I'm going to be getting surgery. And if he's going under for this surgery, he needs to pass on his job to you know the VP or, or whoever's next in line. Um, but it also is the same for people that are secretaries or whatever in our, our cabinet, especially secretary of defense, because they've got a pretty big job, you know, kind of watching over our country. So he just goes to the hospital and, and, and I don't even, I'm not even quite sure why yet. There's still um, a lot of argument. A lot of the, even the people that are in the know that are in that administration have no idea. Biden didn't even know that he was gone. But once again, so while Biden was on vacation, while this guy was in a hospital wherever he was. I'm still I'm still betting that there, Mimo, that's a gender change. We're gonna find this out. Watch. That old uh Austin Lloyd will pop in as a uh, Austina Lloyd. It's coming. It's coming. Um but yeah so they're getting away with all this stuff. Um and then meanwhile our vice president Harris is literally the one that, that has her hands on all of these uh the the um nuclear codes. Talk about scary man oh and like I said, we don't even know about this. This administration is insane.
That's why they're taking out his prostate. <laughs> you probably are. <laughs> oh, that's probably, you're probably right, True Patriot. Austin may have been hospitalized because he couldn't stop Putin. Nobody's going to stop Putin. Putin's going to Putin's gonna take this one away. But this right here is about the Secretary of Defense scandal as it gets a little bit deeper. Because it was weird enough that he just disappeared. But it's weird that nobody knew where he was. Hey, everyone. So the missing defense uh, secretary story is gaining steam. Apparently, he hasn't been seen or heard from since around December 22nd. So that's more than two weeks. And according to Politico, even the Biden White House is getting concerned. Where is this guy? The leader of the Pentagon, one of the most important organizations in our country. And he hasn't been heard from in more than two weeks. Now, they claim it was originally an elective procedure that he went in for. And then it in some way went south where there were complications. And some of you in the comments in my last video said it's very uncommon to be scheduled for an elective uh, procedure or surgery right around the Christmas holidays or right around New Year's because that's when most doctors are on vacation. And that's a fair point, right? So what happened to this guy? Is it a bout of COVID? Was he poisoned? Is it just something that they're not willing to tell us for other reasons? And at what point do all of us as citizens demand some accountability? Again, where is he? How about a press conference to let people know that there's still a chain of command and all that? Let me know in the comments what you think, though. Yeah, it's interesting that he just disappeared the way he did. And that's what happens when you get this elective transgender surgery. Sometimes you just don't like what you get, you know, and there's not much going back at that point. And it wouldn't surprise me. Not in this day and time that that's where we're going to find out. Oh, his electric surgery. Yeah, his elected surgery was getting a sex change. What the How crazy. Or, or, or he was uh, assaulted by aliens. That could definitely be um, something that's on this list this year. It is 2024. So, so ultimately, like I was saying earlier about Ray Epps, I got another thing here. Um, sentenced to one-year probation, $500 fine after telling Jay Sixers that we need to go on the Capitol. So he gets away with all this stuff. Meanwhile, we're just as quiet as can be. But this is the biggest problem that we have right here. So this is Brian Gibson. Absolutely love Pastor Gibson. The guy's got so much energy, an amazing person. Definitely a man of the Lord. So I'm going to listen, listen to this one real quick. This is uh, Don't Bow Down to the Demonic Agenda. Let the devil manipulate you about how good of a Christian you are. Or if you're a Christian or you're not. Or if you, if you love me, you wouldn't say that. You know, that's the oldest play from the camp of the enemy. You know what's happened to the mainline church right now? They're controlled opposition because they've let the devil think they'll look mad and make them think they look like bad people if they speak real truth. And because of that, our culture is getting demonized because the church won't stand up because they're afraid that somebody will call us a bigot or somebody will call us hate-filled or somebody will call us angry. Listen, we're going to buy the truth and sell it not. We're going to speak the truth regardless of who likes it or doesn't like it. This is a place built on the Word of God. We built this on the book, and this book's going to guide us and lead us. And I'm not bowing this book down for any devil or any cultural lie we're not going to do it he's so right i love how he said that too and it's so important we this is where we are right now everyone's worried about offending someone or hurting their feelings or making them mad and the reason that a lot of the churches are going the way that they're going is because they don't want to be called out and it's like look you think jesus cared about being called out jesus did what was good for you as every church should do and he is dead on. So many churches are becoming bad. So many, even, you know, your regular Christians is they just keep quiet. They don't want to say anything. They don't want to hurt any, anybody's feelings. They don't want to be called loony or crazy. Like, I think we don't care any longer at this point. 
I don't care. Call me crazy. Call me loony. Call me whatever you want to. Hanging on the word of that Lord, and I'm going to be spreading that as much as possible, just like all of us are. And uh, we need to not back down these people. Be afraid not. Be, don't be afraid of anything that the devil tries to put, because one of the biggest tricks ever is convincing you that you're not a good enough Christian, that you can't do this, that you shouldn't say that because Christians wouldn't say that. And I see this every single day. You call yourself a Christian? A Christian wouldn't say that. Like, oh yeah, a Christian would because they're trying to save your life. They're trying to give you that chance at salvation that we have. Um, and it's not judgment. You know, you don't have to be a jerk about it. But if you love somebody, yeah, rebuke sin, exactly. Um, you know, so I love uh, Brian Gibson. If you guys get a chance, he's on uh, pretty much every platform there is for social media. Brian Gibson, he is awesome. He's got a church down in Texas, and I believe the other one's either in Tennessee or Kentucky. Um, super awesome guy. We had him on our show uh, a while back, and I've had the, the pleasure of meeting him at a couple of events um, over the years as well. And uh, where I was disappointed in some of the preachers that I had respect for when I met him in person, he was not one of those guys. He was definitely one that stood out, and he loves God, not afraid to talk about it. And uh, he talks um, a lot very similar to the stuff that Greg Locke talks about except uh, there's more of a sincerity in Brian Gibson than, than Greg Locke. Greg Locke loses me every now and then. Um, like I said, he still talks about some great things, but I'm, I'm just cautious about everybody right now, and I know that you guys are as well. So, unbelievable. Um, so, JMHS Brooklyn has informed um, parents that tomorrow's classes going forward will be remote. So why? Because a group of 2,000 illegal aliens are being transferred to New York City and will be sleeping in the school's gym. So once again, they are accommodating, um, they're accommodating all of these people um, that are not from our country. And now the kids are going back, to, back home and having to work remote from home so they can accommodate these immigrants that are coming into this country. This is insane. Yeah, I think, uh, Montana, dude, I think General Flynn um, is having an event coming up in Kentucky. I got to look into that. I know that uh, my brother, um, Steve, uh, from Patriot Transition Voice, was up at a function with him in Michigan not too long ago, with him and the whole family. So you have to see if he's coming over this direction. Um, but once again, like I said, these immigrants, they get everything. They're getting a whole lot more money from this, and they get accommodation so now and you guys remember one of the big, com biggest complaints about being locked down during the COVID pandemic or that the whole COVID scare was that kids weren't learning like they were when they were in school. That was one of the biggest complaints is the kids having to be stuck at home and then and all that time that they lost. So now they're just doing it for immigrants too. They, I guess no, no excuses is too good for these people. So next, uh, I truly can't believe how fast our society has fallen apart. Um, and it is every single day. So this is in Scotland. So a new bill in Scotland will literally jail people who don't affirm a child's identities. So under this law, parents who actively try to prevent their child from cutting off their privates can face seven years in prison. So I'm going to read some of these to you. Um, we will make sure that our new law is clear about this. The new laws will cover two situations. Um, where someone provides a service that intends to change or suppress another's personal sexual orientation or gender identity, where someone keeps pressuring or forcing someone to change or suppress themselves, the behavior will have to be about one specific person. The purpose of this behavior must be to change or suppress the other person's gender identity or sexual orientation. 
Um, so for less serious offenses, the penalty would be a maximum of 12 months in prison, a fine of not more than 10,000 pounds, so 16 to 17,000 American bucks, or both. Um, where the offense is more serious, the penalty could be seven years in prison, a fine that has no limit, or both of these. We believe that it should be a crime to take a person out of Scotland for conversion practices. So basically, by having an opinion and not um, participating in this gender change madness, we are now criminals who could in Scotland can literally be facing up to seven years in prison. Don't think for a second that's not coming here to our country as well, because I can guarantee you it will. Um, it's just so sad to see Scotland fall the way it was, because it was such a kind, loving place. Like for those of you that don't know much about or haven't been to Scotland, like Scotland would be the equivalent of the South here in America. Um, England would be like the North. You know what I'm saying? So you've got you more Yankee-like people um, down in England. And then everyone in Scotland, like I said, it's it's like the South. They're just a gun, bunch of country-loving, mountain-loving, village-loving, God-loving people. Um, and now the whole country is not the same as it used to be. It's no longer home. It's not. It's nothing that I will call home anymore. They got. They're gonna have to do the same thing they're doing to this country. Hopefully, at some point, if Trump comes back in and shipping everybody back over the border. Um, so it's now certain. Now this is interesting too. So last night, um, there was a a group in New York called the Shabbat Synagogue, and it was a Jewish organization. They ended up finding like underground tunnels um, that were underneath one of these main synagogues. So they were going in to try to um, seal it all up with concrete, and there ended up being riots and stuff as the Jewish people ended up finding, um, you know, they realized that their place was going to be sealed up. Um, Israel brings up, they had high chairs, they had like baby tables and all kinds of stuff. So there was proof that without a doubt that there were uh, kids being trafficked in and out of this place. We know they've been trying to tell us forever that we're conspiracy theorists for even talking about these tunnels. So now here they are. Um, they're finding all kinds of stuff where they, like I said, they have no doubt that there was child trafficking involved. And it actually connects to um, one of the child museums in New York. So it's so what they're doing is going underground, snagging people and taking them away. But once again, this trafficking thing, it's all a conspiracy. This stuff's not real. And you guys are a bunch of loons if you even think remotely that there are tunnels under the ground. I just, everything is coming to light, you know. So at least that, we just need more people to wake up. So this is awesome. This is a uh, doozy. Um, if the administration is going to go to such um, great lengths to keep secrets about the defense secretary's health, how can anyone be certain that the administration would not go to the same lengths in order to keep Biden's health secret. Um, good said, Ducey. I'm glad you got one person up there asking the hard questions. But listen to this comment. This is uh, Kirby. Okay, thank you for all the detail on that. But more broadly, why should we believe anything that this administration tells us about anything ever again? I think we all recognize, and I think the Pentagon has been very, very honest with themselves about... Uh, the um, the challenge to, to to credibility by what by what has transpired here and by what and by uh, uh, how 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 hard it was for them to be fully transparent with the American people. I think we all recognize that. And and wait, wait now, just give me a second now. I, I know you got another one coming here, but he's like the worst liar of all of them. <laughs> but we all recognize that this 
didn't unfold the way it should have on so many levels, not just the notification process up the chain of command, but the transparency issue. We all recognize that. And, and I think we all want to make sure we learn from that. I, uh, it's up to you and your colleagues, and it's up to the American people to determine you know, how much they're going uh, to ascribe what happened here to our credibility on every single issue. But in, in every way, Secretary Austin has been an exceptional defense secretary, and he still has the full faith and confidence of the commander in chief. Uh, he has led uh, the department at an incredibly dangerous time for our national security interests and those of our allies and partners. But if the administration is going to go to such great lengths to keep secrets about the defense secretary's health, how can anybody be certain that the administration would not go to the same lengths to keep secret problems with President Biden's health in the future? If, if you could logically argue, and you can't, but if you could logically argue that the minute, wait, wait, years old. wait a second, just give me a second What's here, Bub. I'll get there. Don't call me Bub, man. I'd be up there punching him in the news. If, if the administration made some sort of Machiavellian effort uh, across the board to, to, to keep this from getting public, then I think your question has merit. And, and certainly is a fair one. I don't think it's a fair one because that's not what happened here. It's literally what's happening. It's literally what is happening. This guy, like I said, he's the worst liar of all. True Patriot says stumble and stammer with a word salad lie. That's basically what it is. Um, yeah, man, this guy right here, every now and then you get one of those people and they're so condescending because they know they're up there lying to you. They know that your question was a brilliant question that a lot of people have and they want the answer to. Um, and he just gets up there, stammers, stammers, lies, no problem. And then he calls him bub, like, you know, all condescending, like a teacher talks to their little kid student, man. Like I said, I, I just, I would have had to sit back and, and breathe and be like, Lord, please don't let me get up there and punch him. If you don't tell me not to in the next 10 seconds, I'm going to get up there and punch him. <laughs> all these people are just absolute idiots, man. We've got the biggest, most corrupt administration in history the rest of the world sees it and they are laughing at us and all these uh leaders around the world are literally sitting back with pencil to paper right now trying to figure out what they can do to get away with which is pretty much anything at this point they will get away with absolutely anything because our country works for anything but the american people and that is a fact all right so i'm going to spend the i'm not going to do any more news because it just keeps on flipping the news isn't going to change um Every now and then, like I said, we get a little ray of hope. It's like, all right, man, things are happening. And then you realize that was just another circus to keep us, uh, that was just another circus to keep us focused on other things. When we should be focused on the main most important thing, and that is our Heavenly Father. So, um, like I said, tonight's topic I picked was uh, as in the days of Noah. Um, warnings for today. And I found some pretty phenomenal articles and I kind of got them all laid out here and I'm going to go through what I like in, in each one of them. But uh, Jesus Christ said that end time events would be like those during the days of Noah. So what were those conditions like and why should we be concerned um, today? So discussing the time near his return to earth, Jesus declared as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. That's Luke 17, 26 to 27. So it appears that people thought that they were living normal lives during the time Noah lived. Just before the flood, they were um, oblivious to the impending disaster. 
So what was Jesus talking about? Um, who, first off, who is Noah? So the Bible says that Noah was just a man, perfect in his generations. And, you know, depending on who you talk about, um, or the, who you talk to about this, people have their different opinions on what exactly that meant. Some people thought that perfect in his generations means like absolutely most loyal to the Lord. Other people, when they hear perfect in his generations, meaning that he wasn't tainted by any other bloodlines like the Nephilim bloodline. Either way, God chose him for this task and this mission um, to build and to retreat upon this ark as the flood came up. So, um, so once again, Noah was just a man, perfect in his generations, and that he walked with God. So Genesis 6, 9. Noah had three sons who were named Shem, Ham, and uh, Japheth. So when God brought a universal flood upon the earth to destroy all mankind, only Noah and his family were spared. Peter states that God did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on um, the world of the ungodly, 2 Peter 2.5. Um, widespread violence in those days. So, um, just like today, there was violence all over the place. Since Jesus said that the last days would parallel the societies of Noah's day, we can look further into God's word to learn what he meant. So the book of Genesis explains what conditions were like at that time. Um, so not long after God placed human beings on earth, mankind refused to follow the good and beneficial instructions of God that would have led to stable, happy lives. Instead, they quickly headed towards self-destruction. Following Adam and Eve's example of rejecting God's instructions, humanity became increasingly hostile and quite corrupt. So by the time Noah, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Um, Genesis 6-5. So because of this, God said that he was sorry um, that he had created mankind. This is verse 6. And then told Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And that's verse 13. So God's grieving was not sorrow for making a mistake because God doesn't make mistakes. God gave his human creation the freedom to choose right or between right and wrong. Proverbs 1, 29 through 31. And he was grieved in his heart to see how far humanity had fallen from what originally intended. So you can imagine um, the way that God looked down upon the earth then. You know, he created man. He loved man so much. And then what happens? They end up just going off the handle. You've got, you know, transgenders, you've got homosexuality, murderers, violence, like everything that God wanted us not to do, people chose to do because it's easier. Being good takes discipline. Being bad just takes being impulsive, and that's easy to do. So what was the meaning of Jesus' reference to the days of Noah? Jesus referred to the days of Noah when he was describing what conditions would be like just prior to his return. So his point was that people would be unaware of his return to judge mankind. So sadly, the vast majority of earth's inhabitants will be living ungodly lives in a world filled with violence when this monumental event occurs. And we see that all the time. You know, it, to, to us, it's obvious. We're like, how can other people not see it? Well, part of that is because we do have that relationship with God. And by having that relationship with God, it allows us to have a better idea as to what we're walking into. It, it allows us to see not only 
the darkness in the sin within ourselves and how to correct it, but it allows us to see the darkness in this world a little bit easier than others do not see. Um, like I said, it's becoming a follower of Christ takes discipline. You got to be a good person. You can't just go out and do what you want to because you accepted God into your heart. Um, accepting Christ into your heart is just part of it, you know, but what we have um, to step up, we have to stand up and we need to do what's right, not be sinners. So it's harder for those that don't have the relationship with God because I don't even bother looking into scripture to understand what God was warning us about, much less knowing what the days of Noah are. So if you ask most people who Noah is, most people are going to know because they've at least heard of Noah's Ark. You know, there's a lot of scripture within the Bible that even if people aren't Christians or don't, you know, read the Bible, at least know the stories, um, but not on the scale that they should, you know, like uh, when Jesus talked on the Mount of Olives. So um, this world is filled with violence and the monumental events will occur once when, when Christ comes back. So in his discourse, prophecy found in Matthew 24, Mark 13 and Luke 21, Jesus described what would be happening on earth before his second coming. So the signs of the end of this age include lawlessness abounding, the gospel of the kingdom being preached in Jerusalem, being surrounded by armies, Matthew 24, 12 through 14, and then Luke 21, 20. For further study of Christ's teachings about um, his life and return, you can, uh, there's a book out there that's understanding the um, Olivet prophecies um, that just kind of breaks everything down a little bit further. So Noah lived in a perilous time. So the days of Noah, it seems that God um, gave humanity 120 years to change its evil ways. So God said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. Um, that's Genesis 6.3. So the 120 years of Genesis 6.3 refers to the time of God's long suffering would continue with that generation. During those 120 years, Noah preached a warning message, and God waited patiently for heartfelt reform. That's 1 Peter 3.20. So unfortunately, the people didn't respond. They didn't care. They continued to live their lives the way they pleased. They ignored God, and the longer they persisted, the more unsound their, res or their uh, reasoning became and the harder it was for them to change at all. So Romans 1.21 documents this uh, lamentable process. So although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Um, living in this evil society that refused to repent, Noah alone found favor in God's sight as a righteous person. That's Genesis 7.1. We're told that he was uh, moved with godly fear and built an ark for saving um, his household. So as God had instructed him in Hebrews eleven seven, make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and outside with pitch, said God, Genesis six fourteen. So because of the widespread violence in the world at the time, God decided to repopulate the earth through his faithful men and his descendants, and that's Genesis six seventeen through 18. So even... As uh, God is ready to destroy the world, he's already got a plan to kind of bring it back. And a big part of this, you know, was uh, what what were they removing the evil from the world? But remember, the uh, fallen angels had come down. They had created Nephilim at this point. They um, had spread that forbidden knowledge all over the place. 
and people just became addicted to that knowledge. So what knowledge was that? Well, they, they say that it was things like, uh, makeup, um, you know, uh, alchemy, you know, just different things like that are kind of forms of witchcraft, but we're seeing those same thing war. Exactly. We're seeing those same things happen all over today. So it never really left. The devil's using the same exact tricks that he used in those days in order to get people going and doing what they're doing and not paying attention to what they should be right now. We're looking down at our phones all day long, looking at our computers, looking at our tablets, um, listening to music. We're doing everything but diving into the scripture like we should be diving into. We're focused on where are we going to get money for the nice clothes, the nice cars, and so forth. Um, and the devil has done his brilliant job of getting everybody convinced that there is no God. And that's one of the big things now is you have these disputes. You know, I'd imagine back in the day, um, it was less of a dispute as is God real as to which God is real because everyone had their own belief, you know, whether it was Apollo or Jesus or so forth. But today you literally um, have about 50% or more of the population that doesn't even believe that God exists. And then when you go further than that, you talk about Jesus, they convince, they try to convince you that Jesus was no different than a story when we all know that's not the truth, but that's how you keep people focused is because, um, First, you, you remove the love, that natural love that we have from God from us, and then you remove the fear. You know, that's one thing is that we fear God and we do good things because we don't want to upset our father. These people just don't care. They don't care if there's a God or not. They're selfish. They live their lives the way that they are, and they also do it to others. You know, so now you have uh, um, parents raising their children to be little heathens. Um, and then those kids are going to end up growing up, not knowing who God was, not knowing what the Bible was thinking that, you know, we need to do what we can to please this world. And we don't need to be pleasing this world. We need to be pleasing heaven and we need to be pleasing God. So now you've got it so bad that the parents are now the worst influences on their children. Cause trust me, it's not a four-year-old kid who's deciding, Hey, you know what? I don't want to be a guy. I want to be a girl. It's the parents whispering in their ear. It's the parents vicariously living to their children, trying to relive the high school times that they didn't get to enjoy themselves because they weren't popular or whatever. Like I said, everything is designed to keep us down, to keep us focusing on the wrong things. So violence today. The Apostle Paul confirmed that before Christ's return to the world would have perilous times filled with pleasure-seeking, materialism, immorality, violence, um, idleness, and the rejection of all things God. You can find this in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, and we just went through all of that. We're literally watching all of these happen right here on this earth. So a major reason for God's bringing the great flood was that the earth was filled with violence, and that's Genesis 6, 13. And a big part of it was like you, Matt and Head were talking about what came through with the uh, forbidden knowledge with the Nephilim were passing down was war. That was one of the things that came out of this. Um, violence, war, people killing people for what didn't belong to them. It wasn't like people were just offending and wanting to keep what's theirs from being taken. They were going out and, and taking it, doing what they want to, whether it be food, whether it be gold, or whether it be another person. So a major reason for God's bringing that great flood to this earth because it was full of violence. So consider the age that we live in now. There's been an alarming increase in the global violence just in the past hundred years. And then I want you to go back and look at just the last five or four years three years we went um three years with or four years without with trump without any kind of violence war or anything like that 
any kind of threats would disappear because they knew that Trump was no nonsense. At the very least, they knew that they had a leader that was ready to pull the sword. And it wasn't a question as to if he would, it was a question of when he would. Um, and today, we've got leaders that are weak that are just letting everybody walk all over us. And now we're in the midst of multiple wars that have just started since his presidency, including Ukraine, Russia, including um, what we're dealing with right now with uh, Palestine and uh, Israel. So, um, so consider this age that we're living in today, 100 years, like I said, just look at the past three or four years alone. Wars in the past 90 years have killed more people than during the previous 500 years combined. So an estimated 203 million people were killed um, by wars just in the 20th century. That's insane. The, the numbers are like that are insane. And then you got to look at what we've experienced just in the last three years. You know, you're, you're, these numbers are building quicker and quicker and quicker. So between 170 and 360 million people were killed by governments in the 20th century, apart from war. So recently, more civilians have been dying in armed conflicts than com um, combatants themselves, accounting for 90% of the casualties since 1945. Just in the last decade, war has claimed the lives of an estimated 2 million children and has disabled another 4 to 5 million children. So a silent form of violence is perpetuated around the world by deliberate abortions of the innocents. Each year, 44 million abortions are performed globally, um, and that's since 2008. That is insane. So globally, the National um, Consortium for the Study of, uh, of Terrorism and Responses in Terrorism has documented more than 125,000 violent terrorist attacks since 1970. So Martha Crenshaw, a START board member, so the START is uh, once again um, the National Consortium to Study of Terrorism and Responses. Um, she reported, sadly, that it seems to be increasingly acceptable in certain belief system to kill as many members of the other religious community as possible. A moral restraint seemed to be eroding. Now, I know that we have things like the Crusades and, you know, depending on what piece of that history or what book you pick up to read you know it, it says you know the christians were the ones who instigated this whole thing and then you've got other ones that are like the christians had no choice but to protect themselves from other religions that were trying to take over islam um being specific um and you're right islam has killed more christians than the romans ever did that heaven you're 100 percent right i was actually about to go there um and and they're still doing it and that's one thing about our religion is that has, has Christianity been involved in wars over the centuries? Absolutely it has. Um, but it hasn't been straight up like part of our doctrine is to go out and kill people that don't believe what we believe, where you fall into Islam and some of those other religions, they believe exactly that. Um, you know, so all in all, um, are we a peaceful religion? We are a peaceful religion. Does God want us to always be peaceful and just, take the beaten no he doesn't he wants us to to protect ourselves and to protect those that can't protect themselves but it doesn't but it's not a doctrine of our religion to go around like i said killing a muslim because they're a muslim or killing a buddhist because they're a buddhist we are still loving people we still realize that um they are still god's children 100 percent. whether they believe something different or not they are still the children of god we just need to get everybody on that same page. And I'm not talking like a new world religion type of way. I'm talking like a 
get back to Jesus type of way, or you're going to be uh, pulled into that new world religion, not know what you're going to do and end up in hell. And that's not something any of us are looking forward to. So um, we've seen a fairly steep upward trajectory in the total of terrorist attacks and fatalities worldwide. So these are happening more and more around the country. And it seems like every around the world, and every time we get a new president, um, other than Trump, they have a new one. You know, we had Hezbollah. We had, um, you know, uh, any number of the different um, terrorist organizations that they put out, and every president seems to have their own version of it. And then they disappear for a while. Now they're all popping back up um, because uh, they're fighting the battle right now between good and evil and Trump, so they got to bring all this back up. But like I said, is all of these enemies um, that are supposedly our enemies were literally created by our CIA, were created by our FBI, created by our government agencies, um, in order to give us an enemy when actually they are all working with and for one another. Um, it's all proxy. So out of the heart proceeded evil thoughts. So indeed things are changing in the world. Jesus Christ said, for out of the heart proceeded evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. And this is Matthew fifteen nineteen. We are currently living in an age where the vices are becoming more commonplace. And that is the scary part, is um, we as Christians know when we're sinning. We know that we're doing wrong. It's like our little Jesus on our shoulder, a little angel on our shoulder, just always there warning us, look, be careful. Don't say what's coming, what's in your head. Don't let it leave your lips. We, we become aware of these things. Um, but the problem is where we are today. And I'm going to read this again. For out of the heart proceeded evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, fault, witness, and blasphemies. We are currently living in an age where these vices are becoming commonplace. People don't even see these things as sin any longer. They don't even see that these things are wrong. You know, we discussed uh, years ago, back in the 60s and the 70s, when you had a married couple on TV, they would still be sleeping in separate beds. Today, you've got three or four people sleeping in the same bed doing anything but sleep. Everything is here to indoctrinate our little ones and to indoctrinate ourselves. Even as the adults, we're still falling into this, this whole thing. And now we're at the point where you're looking at fornication everywhere. Adultery isn't even, isn't even an issue anymore. People don't even think about that as being a horrible thing. That's like one of the most horrible things like adultery and murder fall right up there because you're breaking the heart of someone that you gave your life to. Um, that's not to mention Jesus who you gave your life to as well. Um, you know, and then false witnesses and blasphemies. People are doing everything, but kids aren't being taught right and wrong anymore. There's no more consequences. You know, my father um, was a, a disciplinarian. He by no means beat me. He, you know, spanked me a couple of times, then eventually just had to pull out the belt. And I'm like, oh, got it. Sorry, dad, made a wrong, wrong move, made a wrong mistake. Those were consequences. Those consequences kept me from doing stupid things. Kids no longer had those consequences. I was scared to death to go to jail when I was a kid. You know, I would do some stupid things, but I would do stupid things just to the point where I wasn't doing something illegal because um, I didn't want to go to jail. Now, kids don't even um, care any longer. There are no consequences. All they do is they pull their phones out. They watch people get beat up. They're completely desensitized between movies, television, and video games and music. Um, they don't stand up and protect each other anymore. Or if anyone ever does, they are made, um, the lessons made from them as they're, they're one, the ones that are doing the wrong thing. Um, like I said, we're in a day now where nobody knows 
or the kids that are being raised have no idea between right and wrong. And then if you try to call them out, what do they do? They, they start calling you names and calling you a boomer. Well, you know what? This boomer or any of these boomers out here, Gen X or anything like that, we're a little bit more wise. We, we experience the world that those kids have not experienced. We understand what it's about. And Matt and Hev, you're right. We never, we, we weren't a victim card generation. You know what I'm saying? Like we were blaming ourselves. We weren't blaming anybody else. When we did something wrong, we take responsibility for it. These kids today don't even realize they're doing anything wrong, much less understand what responsibility and consequence is. So um, as the violent increases, God's messages become more fitting. There is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. Um, by swearing and lying, killing and stealing, and committing adultery, they break all restraint with bloodshed upon bloodshed. Therefore, the land will mourn and everyone will dwells will, um, there. Everyone who dwells there will waste away. That's Hosea um, one, or excuse me, Hosea four one through three. So God taught respect for the life in the days of Noah. So after the flood, human history began again through Noah's family. So God then reinforced the special significance and the sanctity of human life. So addressing Noah and his sons, God said, Surely for your lifeblood I will demand a reckoning. From the hand of every beast I will require it, and from the hand of man. From the hand of every man's brother I will require a life of man. Um, whoever shed man's blood, by men his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. And that's Genesis 9, 5 through 6. So following this decree, God pointed to the rainbow as the sign of a covenant that he would never again destroy all the inhabitants of earth with a flood. And this is verses 15 and 16. And here's the irony in that. And I know you guys have all caught the irony in this. The rainbow. So the rainbow was, our, was God's promise to us. Like, look, guys, I'm never going to destroy this earth again by flooding everything out. That was a promise to God. And the rainbow was a symbol of the covenant that was made with us. So what does the LGBTQ do? Those guys are literally everything that God warned us about. So as a stick to our faces, just a, a little flicking us the bird, they end up taking the rainbow as their symbol. So they end up taking something that they know. And yeah, next will be fire, great Papa Steve. It's coming. And trust me, they're going to wish that they were flooded and not burned. Because that day's coming. And uh, their souls are going to be just torched um but here we are like i said now not only are they doing what they know is ungodly they're preaching this in church now and they are literally using one of god's very signs as their own sign now as just one more little flick of the bird to us this is how evil they are this is how little they care and it's not enough just to do what's wrong exactly true patriot satan's mockery of pride with the rainbow now they are mocking God, and God will not be mocked. Man, I wish I had Jeff here with me right now because I love the way that he says that. He's like, with that southern accent, he's like, man, brother, God will not be mocked. I can never do a good Jeff, but he, he would have said it here for us. So examples for us. Um, the flood of Noah's day, like the destroying fire of Lot's day, became an enduring example of punishment for disobedience. So the Apostle Peter echoed Jesus' connection between these two events, explaining that God did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood of the world of the ungodly. 
and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemn them to destruction, making them an example to those um, um, to those who afterward would live ungodly. You can find that in Second Peter's two five through six, and you can compare that as well in Luke seventeen twenty six through thirty. So, and it's interesting too. Because, you know, the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, and that's one thing, too, is when I was digging into it. Because as a kid, I always thought Sodom and Gomorrah were just two big cities that were next to each other. And that was the only thing that got destroyed. I didn't realize how far apart Sodom and Gomorrah were. And it wasn't just Sodom and Gomorrah that were destroyed. It was Sodom and Gomorrah and everything in between. So there was a lot of places that just got wiped out by that fire of God. Um, and it was for the same things as in the days of Noah. You've got um, homosexual. Basically, it was an LGBTQ plus community that took place um, over there in Sodom and Gomorrah and everything in between. So God had to wipe them out. God even gave them multiple chances. He's like, well, if you can find so many people in this city, I'll spare it. Well, there weren't enough. So there was only a couple of people that ended up getting out. And not all of them ended up made it out because you turned around, looked at the at the carnage that was going after God said, don't look back and saw it. Um, you know, so where are we today on Matt and Hev? Sexual immorality cesspool. That's exactly what we're living in right now. Uh, Texas deplorable. We live in a world of, of reprobate minds. Um, we have a big thing to change in this world right now. And the thing is, is, you know, sadly, you know, the one thing that we want, not sadly, the, the one we want the most is to help them find a relationship with God, to help them find what we have and maybe even stronger. Like I said, we all have our own work to do in our own personal lives. We could all have a better relationship with God. We could all do better. Um, being humble Christians allows us to recognize that and to work on that so that we can become better. The problem is when we want to get these people to wake up and to find God, they first need to realize that what they're doing is wrong. And that's the hardest thing is because kids today are so indignant. They think they have all the answers. And it was no different. You guys remember what it was like when we were a kid. Our parents would tell us something and we're like, man, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Oh, we have a better idea. And then you, you hit 26 years old at some point, and you're like, man, mom and dad were right about everything. Um, you know, Sally, we're running out of time, and these kids aren't going to have that time. Um, as Jeff always says, we don't know when God's coming back. We don't know when Jesus is coming back to call us home. So there's no better time than yesterday, no better time than today to find that relationship with God. And uh, waking these kids up when the world's trying to keep them asleep is a hard thing. And now we're competing with things that our parents didn't have to compete with. We had televisions, but they weren't very good. We got like three channels. Um, you know, we had video games, but who, who in the world spent like 12 hours a day on an Atari? You know, so um, our parents didn't have to compete with the things that the kids are, are they're having to compete with today. And everything is there designed to keep, basically to make kids think that everything else is entertaining and religion and Christianity and following Christ is boring. And that's one of the many channels that they use right now just to keep kids asleep. And uh, it's the opposite of that. They need to wake these kids up and realize that the television is the boring thing. It's just wasting your brain away. Um, all the things that we do, we waste our time playing the video games and so forth. And the greatest thing that we could ever have, the most interesting thing that we could ever have is God. Because you get into the scripture a little bit, you start reading, it's the greatest story ever written. And there's nothing in that Bible that's boring. Well, until you get to the family bloodlines. And I'm still going to do an episode on that. Literally just an hour and a half of me reading uh, so-and-so begot so-and-so. And we'll see how many people I have at the end of that show. Um, 
So throughout human history, there have been many evils committed. So why then didn't God punish every generation of humanity for its sinful behavior? One reason is that God is long-suffering and merciful to his creation. So that's Exodus 34, 6 through 7. Not delighting in the destruction of the wicked. That's Ezekiel 33, 11. In his wisdom, sometimes God chooses to show mercy. And that's Romans 9, 15. So even though all the people have sinned and do sin, um, Romans 3, 23 only God can, de- can determine when an entire society or nation has violated his laws to a critical point where he will tolerate no more. Um, it was in God's perfect judgment that he destroyed the world during the same days of Noah, allowing it to serve as an example for all mon- mankind to learn from. And the problem now is that the truth of what took place on that ark is now just a story to some people. They don't look at it any differently than they look at Romeo and Juliet or some literature or something that you may have read. That They, they just look at it as a group of stories rather than um, something that's sincere and trying to say this. So then, you know, I sit back and I think um, how impatient I get, how impatient many of you get when we're looking at what's happening to this world, the way that the world is falling apart, the chaos in this world. We're sick of it. We're like, man, and fortunately, we're not God because we would have already have destroyed this planet at some point, which shows you how merciful and graceful and patient God really is because this is a cesspool that we're living in right now. So it just shows you how much God, how much love God really has for us to where he has not destroyed this earth at this point. But it also is a good reminder as how bad things are about to get when God ends his long suffering is like, okay time the hourglass is up you guys are, are done um at that point you'll be very glad you've got a relationship with christ and uh and raptured up in the sky so you don't have to be part of the craziness it's gonna get because like i said this is crazy so imagine how crazy things are gonna be when god's finally had enough boy that's a, that's a lot to think about so um to learn more of the similar um societal conditions that led to the sudden destruction of sodom and gomorrah and then lot's day there's a read this article and this article is about Sodom Gomorrah and it really went over it pretty well and it actually brought some uh, and I'll link that into our uh, KC but it actually brought um, answered a lot of questions that I had had so history the history often repeats so in Noah's day the time of punishment came when God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually that's Genesis six five. And the thing is, though, is that we have a lot of people today that do bad things, but they don't realize that they're doing bad things. We still have people today, that good Christians, good followers of Christ, that follow Christ, that try to be good people, that try to, you know, be less of sinners tomorrow than we are today, you know, and that defeats the whole, um, his heart is only evil continually. But we are entering this world right now to where a lot of the kids that are growing up, they're constantly doing evil things. And the problem is they don't even realize they're doing evil things, which is why they'll continue to do that and then even worse. And now these sins are being made gitchy, popular. You know, they're pushing stuff out on social media and having people doing it. Abortions was something that you wouldn't ever thought in our lives that it would be an argument that half our country would be having with the other. The pro-life, the... um you know, pro-choice, like 
you never thought we would enter this thing, but that's the problem is that the world is so indoctrinated right now. The world is so selfish that they don't think about God. They don't think about the God aspect of that baby being put into the womb of the mother in order to be born. They think more in the lines of, man, what an inconvenience this is to me. And that's the problem where we get to be true evil is when people are so selfish that every move that they make has to do with how it affects them. And that's also where our government and our voting is going for is that conservatives, for the most part, I'm not going to say all, but for the most part, conservatives do care about what happens to other people. They're not just thinking about themselves. They, they want all of our freedoms to be left alone. They want um, the government to leave us alone. They want just to have a life where they're protecting their family and uh, this design to basically give us the American dream. Um, but then you've got the liberals, which is the exact opposite of that. They're all selfish. And when they go to vote, you know, and, and a lot of, sadly, a lot of conservatives do the same thing is they're going out and voting for what helps them, not society. Because look, I could care less if I have a little, um, extra money on my wallet, as long as I'm homeless or no longer homeless veterans are being taken care of. See, that's the thing that's voting to help others where a lot of these people are voting just to make their wallet fatter. Um, and that's the thing is we need to get out of that frame of thought, get back into living a Christ-like life and realizing that our treasures are in heaven. There's nothing here that's going to please us. And it's no different than everything that we do. People always think, oh man, my life's about to get so exciting because I'm about to buy the new iPhone 15. I don't even know where we are now. I'm so, I've got an older phone, but they get the new iPhone and their, um, adrenaline, their, their, uh, their chemicals in their brain are excited for less than 24 hours. And they're right back to where they're going because they don't realize that it's not the item that they purchase that makes them happen or makes them happy. It's the purchase of that item that makes them excited and, and, and releases the, the chemicals in their brain, but it doesn't last very long. The beauty of that relationship with God and having that um, following scripture is that You've always got that great feeling. It's not a, a temporary feeling that goes away in 24 hours. There's nothing. Salvation doesn't end. That's a beautiful thing. You have that connection with Christ. Salvation isn't temporary. Salvation doesn't end. It is eternal life. Exactly. The Texas poor, they're chasing the high. And you know what? You can chase the high all you want to because I'm chasing the most high, the highest of highs, right along with all the rest of you. And there's no better satisfaction in your life than having that relationship because God doesn't ever let you down. It never, ever, ever stops. So um, a risk that people take when rejecting God's merciful call to repentance is that their hearts become hardened. So God says, in accordance with your hardness and your um, um, imminent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in a day of wrath and, rev um, and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his deeds, Romans 2, 5 through 6. So the first time that God brought his judgment on the earth, it was by a great flood of water. The next time God punishes the whole earth, it'll be when Christ returns, when he will render his anger with fury and his rebukes with flames of fire, for by fire and his sword the Lord will judge all flesh. And this is Isaiah 66, 15 through 16. Um, so as a thief in the night, so Jesus Christ's warning in Luke 17 was that when he returns in great power and majesty to save the unsuspecting world, 
the vast majority of people will still be eating, drinking, and focusing on their everyday lives, absolutely oblivious and unaware to the dangerous times that they're living in. So just like the people of Noah's day, people in the end times will be ignoring the warning messages and rejecting God's righteous ways. And that is Matthew 24, 37 through 39, and then 44. So in that context, Jesus said that, watch therefore, for you do not know what your, or what hour your Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, um, therefore you also be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. You can find this in verses 42 through 44. So Paul also warned that that day of the Lord would come as a thief in the night. That's first Thessalonians five, two. So scoffers will come. Noah, the prophet of God was very likely mocked and ridiculed for preaching righteousness. And you can find that in second Peter's two, five, the Bible reveals that in the end times prior to Christ's return, people will also ignore warnings to repent. As Peter notes, scoffers will come in the last days saying, where is the promise he is coming? Second Peter's 3, 3 through 4. Jesus added, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down um, with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, and, the, the, and that day of Christ's coming in God's wrath come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all of those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all of these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Luke 21, 34 through 36. So will God get our attention before that time? Will we repent for our sins and turn to God? And when Christ returns, Will he really find faith on the earth? And that's Luke um, 18, 8. So the biblical records say that Noah's, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's Genesis 6, 8. So God was merciful to the righteous man. Our hope is that you will likewise find favor when God um, or when Jesus returns. So we are in the time right now, you know, and I always, I always ask that thing, you know, and I repent daily too. Um, Steve, and, and we all should, because like I said, is we're, you know, I hope one day and I will come on here the day that I have the perfect day. And like, guys, I didn't have to repent today. Um, that won't happen anytime soon because sadly we're still caught up in all this craziness right here. We still make stupid mistakes and we have thoughts that we shouldn't, or I'll have a, a negative thought about taking out Pelosi or something. I'm like, no, sorry, Lord, I need to be praying for her. Um, we have our days. Some days are worse than others. Um, you know, but we have to get on our knees when we have to pray. And then like Matt and Heb said, thank God for the grace, um, that he has given to us where he brings us to this point today. So once again, what are the similarities between the days of Noah and the days of today? Absolutely everything. But one thing that I didn't mention tonight, um, that I mentioned earlier, actually, but I didn't mention in, in the articles that I've read were Nephilim. So Nephilim were the offspring of, uh, the fallen angels and that was another thing that existed during that time. That's where all this forbidden knowledge came from. Um, so are we going to be experiencing this again? Because, you know, you talk to some people and the Nephilim were all wiped out during the great, great flood. Um, but then you have other people that say that not all of them were worked that walked out. And I've actually had this, uh, great conversations with uh, Jeff about the same subject because 
even in some of the stories that you read, not necessarily in scripture, but there was a giant that hung onto the side of the ark, supposedly. I think they actually mentioned that in the Noah movie that they made not too long ago, which is a little inaccurate. Matter of fact, they made the Nephilim look like they were good things and they were anything but good. But um, everything that's happening then is happening now. So I'm wondering, you know, going back to the Miami, because we're getting to the point now where we're, we're asking for God's discernment. We're asking for his wisdom and understanding a little bit more every single day because things are getting more confusing. The deception is getting a little harder to see, even as a good Christian, because the devil knows um, in order to to steer a lot of the Christian, uh, the, a lot of the faithful Christians away, it's going to have to be some pretty great deception. And if we can see through it, it's not the devil's deception, because trust me, as much as I hate to admit this, the devil's a whole lot smarter than we are. And there's no one on this earth that knows scripture better than the devil himself. So don't think for a second that the devil won't use scripture in some way to steer Christians away. Um, you know, one of the things that I've been uh, reading as one of the possibilities that took place down in Miami when people were seeing, quote, you know, seven to nine foot creatures or seven to ten foot creatures was, uh, was this their first attempt at using the holograms? Because another thing came out, um, a video that came out um, that I saw today literally had some kind of, uh, I don't know what it was. It looked like a spiritual vortex or something that formed right in the middle of this mall and people were running away from it. And then it disappeared and they were very cautiously going up to see what this thing was. So are they in the middle of trying to, to do a great deception? Um, one of those things is, you know, alien life forms. For me, I've never been one that's been really interested in, in aliens or anything. I don't know if they're real or not. If you ask me, could God have created other things? Yeah, absolutely. He's God. Um, God can create anything he wants to. But I more believe in my heart that these things aren't aliens that we're going to be seeing, that they're actually demons or things that are underground, interdimensional. And I think a lot of us um, agree with that is they're not aliens, but they're demons. So what happens if they, because you're noticing that they're talking about UFOs and this stuff more and more and more. You've got Tucker coming out doing um, exposés and interviews on it. You've got the, uh, I believe it's Congress is meeting this week and having confidential UFO disclosure um, conferences. So they're pushing this more and more and more and more. So one thing, and I've talked to a lot of Christians, is that aliens doesn't fall in line with Scripture. Um you know, that's what I'm saying is I feel like it's more demons and stuff than anything. But what's going to happen is if they start doing these holograms and you're literally looking up and you're seeing spaceships in the sky and all this other stuff, like literally the great, great deception, you may have a lot of Christians that are like, huh, huh I guess aliens are real and God's not. And they'll end up walking away. And, you know, when I was reading, you know, many of the scriptures that talked about how some Christians would turn their backs, I'm like, How? When we're seeing all these examples, the prophecies unfolding, we're watching literally the world become just like the days of Noah. Everything in Scripture, in my opinion, is, is coming as crystal clear as a beautiful Scottish lock. Seeing right to the bottom of it, just absolutely crystal clear. So why, in my opinion, or I asked my question, like why would true Christians end up turning their back? And now I see. It's because of these great deceptions. And like I said, as these people... Um, don't have that that true strong faith that they need to, and it's not going to be hard in order to get them to turn. That's one thing is that we need to work at it daily. At the very least, repent. Um, exactly, it's the final test, Punky. That's and I, I use that that term a lot too. 
It is the final test. And many people will fail. The wheat and the chaff is being separated right in front of our eyes. And we're seeing more and more as examples of this every single day. The people that are now finally finding God in their heart are doing it full force. They're not kind of slowly getting into it because they realize now there's a sense of urgency and we should never forget that as well. Um, we, yeah, so we got a lot of work to do here on this earth still. Like I said, Jesus is going to come back like a thief in the night. We don't know when that time is, but like I said, guys, it's not just a matter of making sure that your soul is prepped for heaven. It's, you know, if you're a mom, if you're a father, a brother, a sister, um, you have a responsibility as well. Um, to make sure that your family, your your kids have that same salvation, that chance um, that you have, making sure they understand and know God from the very beginning. And then for the rest of us that don't have um, children or anything like that, we still have a responsibility because it's not about just saving our soul. We truly love the people. We love all of the children of God on this earth, and there's a whole lot of them. So we need to, I'm going to go back and I'm going to, um, I'm going to open this back up and I'm going to play this clip one more time that I played um, earlier. Let me open this back up of uh, Brian Gibson and uh, showing you the importance of what it means to be a Christian and to ignore the naysayers, to ignore the ones that call us hateful Christians, to ignore the ones that say, you can't say that you're a Christian. I'm going to play this clip for you one more time and then we'll get into prayer. How the devil manipulate you about how good of a Christian you are or if you're a Christian or you're not. Or if you, if you love me, you wouldn't say that. You know that's the oldest play from the camp of the enemy? You know what's happened to the mainline church right now? They're controlled opposition because they've let the devil think they'll look mad and make them think they look like bad people if they speak real truth. And because of that, our culture is getting demonized because the church won't stand up because they're afraid that somebody will call us a bigot or somebody will call us hate-filled or somebody will call us angry. Listen, we're going to buy the truth and sell it not. We're going to speak the truth regardless of who likes it or doesn't like it. This is a place built on the Word of God. We built this on the book, and this book's going to guide us and lead us. And I'm not bowing this book down for any devil or any cultural lie we're not going to do it what a devil See, i love that and once again he is so right this is so important look call me hateful call me a bigot call me racist you can call me anything in this world that you want to i'm going to say what my granddad said to me growing up what other people think of you is none of your damn business and the only person that it matters what they think of you is god god is the one that matters what God thinks is what's important. And then what your children think, because you want your children to see God within you because you're going to end up seeing God with them as well. There's only one thing that I will ever take offense to. Call me a fake Christian. Call me a non-believer in Christ. Then we're going to have some words to go back and forth on. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm a, I am a Christian. I'm, I'm working on becoming the best Christian I can be just like all of us are. Don't call me late for dinner. Exactly. You don't want to do that. I'm going to be eating Steve Cusick chicken tomorrow. No, I'm just kidding. We'll never eat Steve Cusick. He's, he's like the best chicken we've got. He keeps the others in line. But this is the thing. We need to care less about what other people think about us. They can call us all the names that they want. We have a job to do. And our job may, isn't going to make everyone smile and happy yet, but eventually it will. Because the problem is that when you're not a Christian, you don't realize what a gift is being given to you when someone's trying to introduce you to God. But one day, one day, when you find that love of God, when you find that relationship, then you're going to start seeing things the way that we do. You're going to start seeing things with love, kindness, and you're going to start realizing that 
we are running out of time. And the, the greatest gift that we gave you, you may have hated us for it at one point, but eventually the seed's going to grow. And that's one of the hardest things is, especially when you're dealing with your own personal family, is that you're planting those seeds. All you want to do is help your family. You want to help them see what's happening in this world, understanding the evil, but you also want them to understand the importance of that relationship with God. And you may hate me now for it, and I'm okay. I don't like when people hate me. I don't like when people dislike me. I don't think any of us do, but I'm willing to go to heaven one day having someone hate me down here because I made that effort. Because like I said, they may not real, realize it at the time, but eventually that seed's going to grow and they're going to realize that the greatest gift that they ever had was that naggy Christian that was trying to get them to save their soul and meet the Father. And then once they do, they're going to realize how frustrating it is trying to get other people to follow that whole same thing and to realize that same relationship is important. But like I said, um, our job may get easier in some ways going forward because the darker this world gets, the more chaotic this world gets, the more people are going to start seeking something. And there will be a day where something happens on this earth where even your biggest atheists are going to wake up and be like, holy moly, there is a God. Because I've said this before, same thing with an atheist. You throw an atheist out of an airplane and they have a chute, parachute that doesn't open up. That atheist, the last words that'll come out of their mouth will be like, dear God, or God, please save me. Trust me. Even in their worst time, the most atheist of atheists will reach out to God when there's no one else to reach out to, when they realize that they reached out to the one person they should have been reaching out to forever. So guys, uh, it's 11.53. We're going to go ahead and get our prayer in before they try to shut us off. They've been really, really bad about that recently, and I don't know what it is, but fortunately last night we got back on without having to... to do another show. So we'll get into a prayer right now. Um, and then we'll, uh, end the show. So everybody, please bow your heads. Heavenly father. Thank you again for another day. Thank you for all the wonderful family that you bring together. That's growing more and more dear Lord. Dear Lord, as times get tougher and, and we start getting persecuted and they start coming after, we complain right now, dear Lord, but I know times are going to get a whole lot worse than they are now. So there's really not much to complain about, but father, let us step up. Give us the courage, the strength, the discernment, the wisdom, and everything that we're going to need to get through these times. Give us that strength and that faith, dear Lord, to continue our mission and to help other people find what we have. But not only that, to help us find a stronger relationship with you every single day. Dear Lord, even though we're trying to help others, we always need to help ourselves first because you got to have a clean home before you go cleaning up other, other people's houses. But dear Lord, don't ever let us stop working and trying. Thank you so much for all the people that you brought into our lives that are here for us, that help us when we need help financial, when we need help with prayer, with health. We've got loads of people here, dear Lord. And the family's getting bigger and bigger every single day. And more prayers are going out, more prayers are being answered. But dear Lord, during these times where things get real rough and Christians start turning their backs, don't let us turn our backs on you, dear Lord. Let us hold that line. Let the devil and the demons punch us in the face as much as they want to. And we just look at them knowing that you are right by our side, that we're going to end up winning this war. Don't let anything discourage us from our mission, dear Lord. We've got a lot of children to protect. We've got a lot of people that can't protect themselves that we need to protect. But we also need to be cautious, dear Lord, not to jump to the sword. Some days is a little bit more difficult than others, Father, but I ask you that you just keep us calm. Let us spread that gospel. Let us spread information. Let this be a passive war, dear Lord, until the day comes that we need to throw those rocks and we need to pull that sword. But on that day comes, dear Lord, do not let us hesitate. 
Let us repent daily and let us work on our lives to be better people every single day, dear Lord. Let us approach one or two strangers a day if we can, dear Lord, and just mention you. Let us walk around with shirts that, that have scripture on them, dear Lord, or walking billboards for God, just creating a conversation. Dear Lord, we're not going to wake up more people and get more people into heaven and to meet you, dear Lord, which is their chance of salvation, unless we step up and we do what we need to do. So, dear Lord, let us not be ashamed or embarrassed to be Christians. Let us be proud, not prideful, but proud, dear Lord, that we are serving the greatest and the only true highest of high spirit, Lord, in this entire universe, dear Lord. Don't let anybody else get caught up in the idolatry, dear Lord. Let them focus on the one and only Savior, which is you. Let them realize that the only way they're getting off this earth is to accept that relationship with you into their heart, dear Lord, and bathe themselves in that heavenly blood, dear Lord which you died on that cross so that we had a chance to get into heaven. Dear Lord, let us never let a day go by that we don't thank you for all the blessings that you bring into our lives, especially having the love and the patience with us to get us to where we are right here. Dear Lord, thank you for all the big things and the little things that you bring into our lives. And don't let us get caught up. Let us learn how to let go of things, dear Lord. Never hold grudges. Let us learn how to love and to pray for our enemies, dear Lord, but not forget what the enemies have done. Dear Lord, let us... Work on everyone so that they can become your great warriors right along with us, dear Lord. But let us learn how to listen more and more every single day so that we can hear what you need us to do so that we can serve you. Continue to hone the skills that you have blessed us with since the day that we were born, dear Lord, so that we can be prepared for where we are heading into, which is one of the greatest battles that we're ever going to see in this, in this world. But dear Lord, you are going to end it all when you come back down. And I thank you. So just continue to give us the love and the patience that we need and remove all fear, all temptation, and all evil that seeps into our lives the closer that we get to you, dear Lord. But you didn't build us weak. You built us strong. So continue to let us hone that strength, dear Lord, and use everything that we have in the service that we have to you on this earth. Let us keep one foot in heaven, the other foot on this earth, dear Lord. Let us store our treasures up in heaven. But let us work for you here, dear Lord, so that we can change this world in great ways until you change it forever. We love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus Christ's name and our Heavenly Father's name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to thank everyone for joining us. I'm glad we got to that prayer. I don't know what, what Podbean's been doing recently, but they love to get rid of this right before prayer or during prayer. So um, I hope you all had an absolutely great day. I'm hoping none of you come down with this thing that, uh, that's been going around right now. And if so, I'll tell you what I took. I took a lot of zinc, I took mullein, um, I took chlorine dioxide, I took a couple other things, uh, like mainly my vitamins, and it got me through that. So if you guys start getting that little tickle in the back of your throat, jump on the zinc ASAP, because I can promise you it's coming. You don't want to be coughing and sneezing like this, and hopefully your voice doesn't go away either. But guys, we'll be back uh, tomorrow evening for Kilted Christian episode 519. Not quite sure what it's going to be. But God's been talking to me a lot at nighttime, kind of let me know what I need to focus on the next day. So we're going to get back into scripture. And then Thursday night, we're going to have John back on MSM Liars. And then a Friday, we'll have Douglas on, hopefully, if he is free. And then uh, Jeff's getting better and better and better. So I know that he is just dying to get back on. He had a great show the other night. He was kind of got that wind again, serving, serving the Lord. So I know we're all excited to get him back in as well. But guys, I love y'all very, very much. I hope you have an absolutely beautiful weekend. For those of you in the colder areas, stay warm. Get under a blanket. Cuddle up with the dog. Just do something because trust me, guys, it's going to be getting really cold and hopefully a little bit snowy. But I love y'all very, very much. Have an absolutely beautiful week or 
beautiful evening. I'm still a little bit spacey, guys. Sorry. Beautiful evening. Thank you for listening to Kilt the Christian episode 518. And I'll leave you with this. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we held at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming and the rockets Have an absolutely beautiful rest of your evening, everybody. Very, very happy birthday with our brother, Jeff. And I'll make sure when I talk to Jeff tomorrow, I'll pass on all the birthday wishes to him. But guys, have an absolutely beautiful rest of your night. And remember, we are so lucky to know how this ends, and that is God wins. So fear not, stress not, let go of all your anxiety. Pray, pray, pray. Hold that line. Spread the gospel from nation to nation. We have some jobs to do right here before we leave this earth. But it's all right, because God is going to be with us at every moment. I love y'all very, very much. We'll see you tomorrow night for Kilted Christian episode 519. In the meantime, we love you all and God bless.